Hey everyone, welcome to Expansion Cast. Expansion Cast is a magical podcast I created so people could find simple or unconventional solutions to expand their personal awareness and experience. This podcast is dedicated towards revealing people's divine truth and how that divine truth works its way out into the world one by one, helping liberate each of us on our personal path to freedom. If you love this podcast, please give us a rating and share. Hey everyone, on today's podcast, I have the beautiful Michelle Van Dorn. So are you a narcissist? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I am absolutely a narcissist. But you talk about two levels of narcissism. I do. I think there are two levels of narcissism. I think there's the narcissism where a person is all about themselves and doesn't give a flying fuck about anybody else, about human nature or another human being. And I also think that there's a different kind of narcissist that cares deeply about themselves and it is all about me. That's what I'm doing here. Um, But I also care about other people. Mm -hmm. I just care about me first. So do you think that um, the one level of narcissism might be called selfless? Mm. Again, I think the word selfish can be used in two different ways. I think it can be used in the same way where um, I'm selfish and I want to gain all for me and nothing but me and I don't care about anybody else. And the other selfish where I feel I come from a lot is I want it for me because I want to share it. Or I want it for me because it'll make me a better person to be able to um, love more or love better or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. I think a high-level narcissist can also help us love better, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Perhaps that's why I've encountered so many of them. But, well, I was watching a, a video on YouTube and she was saying that uh, pretty much all women think that all men are narcissist, narcissistic in some way. Um, I think that's in lower level relationships, though. I, that's kind of what I was <laughs> thinking. Like, as you were saying that, I thought, well, you know, I'm in a place right now where um, I, I recently ended a relationship and discovered that. Wait. You had a relationship? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, I, and honestly, since I was about, oh, I don't know, maybe 14 or 15, I've never really been without a relationship. So um, I discovered I had a, an addiction to love, a love addiction. Um, and I wanted to I don't know, create like a cookie cutter family when my kids were little. And then it was like, um, who am I if I don't identify as somebody's partner or, um, it was the love. It really was the love. I, I just chased love because I felt like it was so void in my childhood and I never learned to love deeply within myself. 
And so I think if someone is going to say that to categorize all women thinking that all men are narcissistic, that maybe they are, but can they fall into the two categories that I think of narcissism, right? Um, But maybe as human beings, you know, let's take away gender. Perhaps we're all narcissistic, but we, we show it in different ways. But I think, you know, plotting men against women kind of thing or women against men, I think it just shows a level of um, there's something maybe inside of her where she hasn't reached and dug up something that was hurting. Something something immature. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, living in the immature feminine. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I'm I'm discovering now I am committing to myself now. At least twelve months of being single. At least. In, in the very least. Twelve months of being single. Um, so in the last 12 months, mm-hmm. how many relationships have you had? Like, mm. Or I guess 12 months before committing to this new stage. Um, well, you see, I guess that would depend because I ended a relationship two and a half years ago, but we continued to work together and the emotional uh, suction cup was still there Mm -hmm. and it always felt like there was this underlying uh, stickiness that didn't allow for me to individuate. Um, And at the same time, I was having a long distance relationship with someone who lives in a different province. Um, And that was easy in some ways because it allowed me to spend a lot of time by myself. It allowed me to sleep alone quite often. When I went to see him, it was maybe once a month, maybe once every two months. in the last six months, it was once every three or four months, just because there had been a lot of things that I was going through, letting go of the previous relationship that I was still working with. So the relationships were intermingled, and that became really convoluted for me and confusing. And I think that's kind of where I started to melt down. And I actually had a nervous breakdown last summer, And then I was in a car accident in February of this year. And it was just all signs to me. Like I looked at it, all of it as signs as like a complete stop, just stop. And I looked at my life and my life spiraled, especially after the accident. I lost so much like materialistic things. And then I started losing parts of myself and I became scared. And I, and I also became liberated because the fear propelled me to look really deeply at myself and to listen to the soul inside of me that was knocking at my door saying we need to do something different Mm -hmm. and that's where I am so I don't know like in the (laughs) last 12 months let's see Uh, and I also had the relationship with myself right that I was ignoring yeah yeah 
But you don't you don't have to answer that. It's just a <laughs> random question. I, I, one thing I find interesting about your story you were just telling is that you had the accident. I notice people that get lots of attention in their life and they get and they don't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. They start attracting things like that, events like that mm-hmm. to help break it open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it totally did. You know, um, my accident was in February. I was off for three months before I tried to go back. And it was stagnant. Um, it was lifeless. And I quit on a whim at the end of June. I just, like, we were sitting there talking. Actually, we were having an, an argument about old emotional trauma that and drama, really, it was drama. And it was triggering me and I just started to cry. And I said, and I said, I'm absolutely miserable. And I heard those words come out of my mouth. I'm miserable. And I looked at him and I said, I, I gotta go. I think I gotta go. And he said, well, go where? And I said, like, I gotta go. Like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't work here anymore. And he said, I'm going to give you a couple of days to think about this. Cause I was highly emotional, right? I was bawling my eyes out and Mm -hmm. so I said sure that sounds like a good idea and the next day I just knew I couldn't go back so in that emotional state Mm -hmm. I think I think you've had the whole time since since breaking up with him Uh you've been going through a lot of emotional stuff right oh around that um let's just say I'm actually writing a book about it yes Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. A lot of emotional drama and um, roller coaster. I felt like a yo-yo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was all that drama happening because you weren't accepting your power and and moving into your own space? Or if what was the real source of it? I think what you're saying is, did I give my power away? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I gave my power away and I was struggling to take it back. And I was struggling to take it back because when I did take my power back or whenever I tried to attempt to, I was faced with uh, repercussions of that where he didn't like it. And he would um, either accuse me, blame, shame or guilt me um, or ignore me. Mm -hmm. And those just triggered a lot of my childhood emotional dramas mm-hmm. of you know abandonment and so I, I didn't want to be rejected no matter what the cost and it cost me uh, you know from my perspective it seems so odd that you'd be in that position because you're like beautiful you're fucking smart mm. like what don't you have going for you mm. thank you yeah it's really interesting because when I look in the mirror, there are days where I can look in the mirror and I can say, wow, like we've come a long way. I've got you. I've got this. And other days I look in the mirror and I think, what in the fuck? Like, who are you? You know? Um, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, what the fuck? Who are you? You're fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah where'd that that come from yeah and these are new paradigms Mm -hmm. really and uh, i mean i have three children that are girls and i also have a son but i wish for all of them 
to be able to have that as young people and not have to go through the incredible life experiences that I had to go through to get to this place where I can say, you are amazing, Michelle. You are absolutely amazing and you are intelligent and you are beautiful from the inside. Mm -hmm. And I find that those words come to me more easily now. They're actually the words that come first before some of the words where I onslaught myself with, you know, um, uh, what's the word? I, where I'm just yucky to myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fitting word. Yeah. Yeah. Yucky to yourself. Yeah, I've been there. You know, it's taken a lot of work to get to the point where I can look in the mirror and say, you know, you're awesome. Where the fuck is this awesomeness coming from? Mm. And really appreciating where I am. Mm-hmm. And I'm even at a point now where, like financially, yeah. I don't know where I'm going to be in six months or whatever. <laughs> uh, but I'm like, whatever. Yeah. I don't even care anymore. Yeah. You know, I like, like I just got to enjoy whatever it is. I just got to enjoy me. Enjoy you. Absolutely. Um, We've known each other for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens when desire comes up for you nowadays? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, that's, you know, that's a good one. That's a good one. I I struggle with that. Um, In my favor... I am a certified somatic sexological body worker. Uh, say that again. Certified somatic sexological body worker. Okay. So basically, I'm a sex educator. And in my training, we learned self-pleasure in a way that is not attached to the outcome. So desire for me can come up and I can say, okay, what tools do I have in my toolbox? Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Battery operated. (laughs) Um, And those fill those physical desires for the time being. But there's also the desire to be held, to be understood, to be heard, to be seen. And I am learning to show up for myself in the ways that I would show up for someone else or the way I want someone else to show up for me. So... um, Sending myself flowers, uh, buying myself little gifts, taking myself out on a date, leaving myself little notes of love. Not just like affirmations, not just like, oh, you're amazing or quotes or anything. It's like actual little love letters where if I want to tell myself that I'm deeply in love with myself, what do I want to say? And also, what do parts of my body want to say to me, you know? Mm -hmm. How is my heart? And what would my heart want me to know today? Those kinds of things. So, in this moment right now, what does your heart want you to know today? Um, You caught me on a good day for this. (laughs) My heart wants me to know today that um, even though there is... Sadness, or I feel I feel deeply hurt. I guess um, I've 
I've gone through being lied to and being cheated on. And also I have done those things. And so um, in the last few days, I've been brought down into those places, those dark places of myself where A, I can sort of understand a woman who says all women think all men are narcissistic because the major hurt that has come in my life has been from men and starting right when I was a very young girl from the men in my life who were supposed to protect me and did the complete opposite. So my heart wants me to know that it's okay to feel all of these things and it's okay to dig it all up and it's okay to be in the darkness with myself and in my shadows and in the places that I may not like very much and to go to the places where I feel I've been hurt and have the understanding and the love for myself but also the love and understanding for other people who have hurt me where they came from to have compassion and that's I think the biggest message from my heart today is compassion Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so going back to desire Mm, yeah (laughs) you mean we didn't avoid that (laughs) (laughs) I know there was some avoiding happening um, what do you desire in this moment Mm. Hmm. I desire tears to flow Mm -hmm. I really feel that there are they're sitting in my chest right now they're they're building and i feel them ready to express and ready to release mm-hmm. and i'd say that is like one desire and the other desire is to really figure out like <sighs> there's a big question inside of me of why 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 did I give my power away so much and so often to the point where I felt like a skeleton? And that's my desire, and I think that's also causing like the the heaviness in my chest and the the tears that want to come out and the mm-hmm. emotion that wants to release. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So you want to hear my desire? I absolutely do. <laughs> so, um, this is my 17th podcast, <laughs> and I want to have a naked podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, well, it's pushing an edge, and I think, look, I can already feel emotions coming up doing, doing this. What are your emotions? Um, I don't really know them. They're just, I feel tingling sensations moving up in front of me. Tingling for 
my breath starting to get a little bit shallower. Anxious. Anxious. Mm -hmm. And is it because you have um, anxiety around being naked? No one can see us. I know. Except you and me. I know. It's so weird, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, so the anxiety is... Maybe it's excitement. Maybe it's... Do you think this might be the first naked podcast? I don't know. I, well, we don't know because no one's ever said if they are doing a naked podcast. But it's our first naked podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How does that feel? Yeah, I can. It's like I feel alive. Mm -hmm. There is something about shedding those layers of even clothing. Yeah about being naked and it feels free yeah um i feel no shame no me and, either and i also feel like no oh we're naked so now <laughs> we should do something about that it doesn't feel like that either it just actually feels really natural and it feels really calming for me calming interesting yeah. Yeah. so you went from the heart feeling like crying yeah and now you feel maybe a little bit more ecstatic I actually do, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, and I'm having some body image issues lately too because I don't look the way I used to. Uh, since my accident, I haven't been able to be active. So, you know, I've put on some pudginess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really wasn't okay with that. But sitting here, like, I actually feel okay with it. I feel mm -hmm. better than I do when my clothes were on. <laughs> I don't know. Explain it. Um... I have no idea. You know, I think it was, it It could be around my desire too, because now there's, because I had that desire, it would be creating tension. Mm. So it, like if I'm not speaking my desire, all of a sudden that energy is out in the room and it's creating tension. Mm. So maybe now that I've spoke it, here we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here we are. I think it's always good to uh, speak desires, <laughs> even if they're not met Absolutely. or accepted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah, then there's no... It just kind of drops that tension. Mm -hmm. And so do you think it would be different if you had spoken about desire with, say, one of the males who have done podcasts with you and you both got na naked? Like, would it be a different energy, do you think? Because now there's like, I'm completely in my feminine right now. Yes, I can feel that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there's that balance of the energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like I'm more in my masculine right now, too. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> I can, yeah, I can totally feel your feminine energy, and it's really nice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, if there was a man here, I would be able, I yeah, I could, I don't think there'd be a difference. Mm -hmm. There'd just be feeling the energy of the other person mm -hmm. and respecting it. Absolutely, um, mm -hmm. because another person with a penis could be sitting here and be totally in their feminine energy and also still have the balance regardless mm. of the gender. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the one thing I do notice, though, is that it's pretty chilly in this room. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to say, I'm menopausal, so I don't feel that at all. It's actually, it's a relief. <laughs> Which is interesting how people perceive. Mm -hmm. We're sitting... Two feet from each other and... Yeah. Yeah. 
you perceive it as chilly and I perceive it as, yes, finally, (laughs) relief. So what else is happening with you? Mm. I liked that you spoke about finances and you don't know where you're going to be in six months. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let, let me ask you, because uh, we kind of had the same same jump, right, mm-hmm. with the surrender thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's made a huge, huge, huge impact on your life. <laughs> yes, some good and some really, uh, I don't want to say bad, because I don't really want to categorize things as good and bad, but... Wow. Um, it has taken me to places. Um, like physical or mental or what? All. Oh. Like the accident that I had rode off my vehicle. And I had a brand new vehicle. Um, and the insurance money covered most of it, but not all of it. In fact, I just paid my last payment on the Jeep that I cannot drive anymore because they took it away. <laughs> so... And I had three vehicles under my name and I had an accident. I quit my job and all of a sudden I don't have any vehicles in my name. I got myself into a really big financial pickle and I have to find my way out of it. And I'm trying to find my way out of it by going, you know, by not going into another traditional job. Mm-hmm. Um I'm educating myself. I mean, I'm certified as a sexological body worker. I could do that, but not many people really know what it is or um, want to investigate because it's pretty edgy. And so I'm taking another course this month and I'm taking Thai yoga and I'm actually, it's a certification course. So it's my levels one, two, and three. And that'll help me bring people into my home. And so I've also taken my bedroom, which was in the basement of my house and it's a pretty big room. And I'm transforming it into a workspace. So I like took everything that was mine and out of there. And I took apart all my bedroom furniture. And it's sitting in my garage. And I thought, like, it just feels like I'm disassembling parts of my life. As well as parts of my home. As well as my furniture. And there is an irony to the disassembling. Because I cannot reassemble into something else until I disassemble all of those other parts. And I feel like I was kind of forced into that by, you know, having an accident and finally taking my power back and saying, yeah, like, I don't want to be miserable anymore. And so even though I'm scared, I'm actually terrified every day. I'm learning to let the the terrifying feeling go and, and allowing that to be flow. I don't know where I'm going to be in six months either. I don't even know if I'm going to have a mortgage anymore. I don't know if they're going to kick me out of my house. Mm-hmm. What is your mortgage coming up? Uh, well, I pay it every month, right? Yeah. And every month it's kind of a challenge. It's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> where am I going to get the money this month? It shows up though, doesn't it? It, it does. And it has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, I, like, I, I still have food in my cupboard. I, I still had turkey dinner you know, for Thanksgiving. So yeah, I'm learning to trust that flow. Like even my middle daughter was so worried. She said, mom, like, I don't know what you're going to do. I'm like, I'm worried about you. Like, what are you thinking? Go get a job. And I wrote back to her and I said, you know, like, I'm just trusting universe right now. I'm trusting that I'm taken care of by 
my ancestors, by universe, by guides and angels. I'm trusting that I have the strength in me and I'm supported by all of these things. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> I think you're being supported by yourself. I really think that all this is you. And, yeah. and we say guides and angels and all this all this stuff. To project? Yeah, a little bit. To yeah. just to, So we're not taking responsibility for our own powers. Mm. And it still comes back to you, like not accepting not your power. Not accepting my power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Good observation. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> See how naked we can get? I know. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's helped. Mm-hmm. Huh. I was going to ask you something else. Um, well, it's gone. <laughs> you let it go. Uh-huh. <laughs> It'll come back. Yeah, well, um, this is much easier for me since I started volunteering with homeless people. Wow, really? Yes. Because now, you know, I, I got to view homeless people and see that, oh, it's not this hell that mm. I thought it was. Because I always thought, you know, if I lose everything and end up homeless, mm-hmm. it would be terrible. I couldn't uh-huh. fucking imagine how bad it would be. Right, yeah. And, you know... Um, I watch people go to work every day, come mm-hmm. back, the same fucking job every day. Yeah. And then I go and work with some homeless people. Mm-hmm. And not all the homeless people are really happy. But mm-hmm. they're not any worse off mm-hmm. than the people that have that fucking nine to five job that hate mm-hmm. their job. You mean on the level of like their happiness and their yeah. content? Yeah, their contentment, yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of homeless people are content. I mean, yeah, they got struggles. We mm-hmm. all we all have our own struggles that we create. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter where we are, mm-hmm. we're creating our own struggles. Absolutely. With our own power. Mm-hmm. We have a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting you should say that. Because years ago I was at the Hot Springs, Lucier Hot Springs. Do you know where that is? In Which one? Lucier? In mm-hmm. White Swan Park. Like between Fairmont Hot Springs and Kimberly? No. No. Okay, so anyway, there's some natural hot springs. You drive down this logging road about 20 kilometers, and there's um, three pools. One coming right out of the the wall of the mountain is hot, 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 and then as it goes down into the pools, it cools. And then there's like a river running right beside it, and it's freezing cold. So I remember going down there. It must have been like eight or nine years ago now. And we went down later at night because the smaller children all leave, right? And then it's just adults and everybody tends to get naked and get in the water. And there was a couple of older gentlemen in there who were, you know, like lots of hair on their face and long hair and just really unkept. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were bathing in there, like bathing with soap and shampoo. <laughs> Um, because the water flows, it's continuously flowing. It's not still. Mm-hmm. It just flows out. So I asked, you know, like, well, what are you doing? And they said, well, you know, we have um, tents just in the wilderness somewhere. And we come down here to bathe. They were completely homeless, living mm-hmm. in a tent in the middle of the forest. And they seemed maybe a little bit. Not all there, but really, the one guy said he was happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was totally, and he, 
um, at the time I was wearing a, a beaded necklace and it was like a wood cross on it and he was admiring it and he was talking about his faith in God. Um, so I took off my necklace and I just gave it to him and I said, you know, if, if you admire it that much, it's meant for you. Mm-hmm. And I gave it to him. Um, I never thought about it again and I never really thought about him again after I left. But, you know, thinking about uh, as a single mom, I've had many times in my life where I haven't had enough money to reach the end of the month. And I have thought, you know, like, what would I do if I were homeless? And I thought, you know, like I could live in a church basement or I could, you know, do this or that. And I, I often would make a plan of how I would help myself if I were homeless. It never seemed like it's the worst thing on the planet. It just was to me, what will I do if it happens? Yeah. You know, the one interesting thing about um, people that appear to have nothing, like, you know, goods, mm-hmm. um, they have lots of potential. Yeah. They have lots of space to create. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing uh, That's the thing I was thinking about earlier with um, your relationship and that you quit your relationship and then, but you were still working with the same person. Mm-hmm. So you weren't allowing yourself space. No. You weren't creating space in your life to bring somebody else truly in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important that we all recognize what we're hanging on to out of, out of being afraid yeah. of letting go, afraid yeah. of, you know, jumping into our power to see if we can actually fucking swim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Every day I wake up and I think, am I swimming? Mm-hmm. Am I? Or am I sinking? And the fear does come in. I'm sinking. And I wake up sometimes with panic attacks. But the thing is, is though, if you think about being on the ocean, if you're on top of the water Mm -hmm. and a storm is coming, Mm -hmm. it's going to be all wild. (laughs) But if you go under the water, it's going to be nice and peaceful and calm. Mm. But you're going to fucking drown. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Where you want to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Great metaphor. <laughs> and I happen to love the ocean. And I like I and what I want to tell you I have great nipples. I do? Yeah. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad. They look good to me too. <laughs> we do that in somatic work too. We actually um It's called body mapping, Mm -hmm. and it's looking at someone who is completely naked and mapping their body, talking about different parts. Uh, I noticed that you have small nipples, and you have very short hair on your chest and down onto your stomach, and um, I noticed you have freckles on your shoulders, and that's, yeah, we do that. So it's like, cool, thanks for talking about my nipples. in, in Tantra, we've done some work where uh, one person stands up naked in the middle of a group of yes. like three or four. Yes. And then just to be seen yep. in whatever, you know, they're uncomfortable with. Yeah. And comfortable with their fat or flab or whatever or anything. Mm-hmm. Scars and it could be all sorts of stuff. And Cellulite. Yeah. And I was really <laughs> surprised. Like, I think the second round, second time I did that exercise, there was a lady in our group that was absolutely... 
amazingly hot mm-hmm. like a perfect body in my mind mm-hmm. whatever whatever that is mm-hmm. and she stood up and she was like afraid to be naked she had so many judgments on her body mm-hmm. and she had she actually had more judgments than some of the other women that were you know had babies and they had you know scarring and all sorts of stuff mm-hmm. you know it's all beautiful everybody's beautiful in their own way absolutely and it's just the that mental fucking mm-hmm. chatter that Tells us that otherwise, yeah. Absolutely. And I think um, in Tantra also, the it may not be the same teacher. I think you're talking about when you were away in Thailand. Uh, Bali? Was it Bali? Um, that wasn't in Bali, but uh, it was okay. at the same course. Okay. Yeah. So... I mean, same uh, instructor. Right. Different space. Right. I also have done that exercise. And it's very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I have body issues. And even before my accident, I had body issues. Uh, I'm not leggy. I'm short, you know, and um, I have a lot of cellulite and I've had babies, you know. And so, yeah, I, uh, I stood up and I was completely raw and naked and feeling a lot of embarrassment but also at the same time there is some liberation Mm -hmm. around being seen like that because we are all different and I actually did have a partner once a very recent partner who said to me it was probably one of the most beautiful things that anyone's ever said to me is he looked at me and he said you have the body of a warrior you have birthed babies in that body. You have been through trauma. You've been through sexual abuse. You have been through your own abuse that you, you know, abused yourself. He says, and look at you. He goes, you have the body of a warrior. I love your body. And that made me feel like so powerful mm-hmm. that someone would actually see me like that. I do not look like a centerfold. I do not look like a Victoria's Secret model. Um, But I'm me. I look like me. Mm -hmm. And yes, I did birth babies. And yes, I did go through all of that stuff. And Mm -hmm. my body is still here functioning and getting me through every goddamn fucking day. But it is pretty amazing. And you can't be hard on yourself at all. Mm -mm. I mean, people can't see your body right now, but it's pretty hot. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I have to say the same about you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and I've come to love a lot of par- lot of parts about my body too. Mm. Um, yeah, I've had my shame, my fair, fair, mm. fair bouts of shame. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I, no, I'm I'm actually curious because, um, I don't know what the pressure is like on men. I know that women, we we do suffer a lot of the pressure, a lot of media to have perfect bodies, Mm -hmm. uh, quote unquote. What do you feel like from your experience as a man? Well, we have to be muscular and toned. Hmm. Our penis has to be at least six inches. Hmm. And yeah, we have to say the right things. That's very important. Oh. Yeah. Don't approach a woman without saying just the right thing. Or the... Well, the, well, the judgment comes out. Mm. But, yeah. There's all sorts of things. 
but body body image yeah it's like shape shoulders you should have you know decent shoulders and yeah muscular yeah, yeah. Wow. hair 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 on the head and no no hair on the body really yeah but that's not i mean those things don't shame me no no but that's kind of like the body imaging for <clears throat> men from media i think so yeah yeah mm -hmm. hmm I'm curious to know what are the right things to say to a woman or what are the wrong things? Anything that's awkward is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's all awkward, especially when you're first meeting somebody. Yeah. Even hello sometimes feels awkward. Yeah, and I think it really depends on the energy. Mm. Because if, if I walk in my... Um, divine masculine mm -hmm. if i walk in a room with my divine masculine i i can i can interact with women way differently than if i'm in my juvenile masculine mm. it's quite a bit mm. different yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and i can feel that energy and but it's the same for me if i walk in the room like you have a lot of you're always in your um i would say occasionally I feel your juvenile feminine mm -hmm. but most of the time I feel like a warrior feminine yeah I feel mm -hmm. like a yeah somebody a woman who's really in her mm. in her body yeah. <laughs> well that took a lot of work <clears throat> it took a lot of work I mean I've been at this <clears throat> not necessarily tantra or embodiment but I've been at this healing game for 30 years so, yeah, it took a long time. It took a lot of work. And I do notice when I show up, I actually notice when I show up in my, ju in my juvenile feminine. Mm -hmm. um, I can feel her now and I can sense her when she's there. And uh, that's when I don't feel confident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But sometimes that's the time to play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Time to, time to have fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And your divine feminine, I, I always feel your divine feminine with you, mm -hmm. no matter what. Mm -hmm. It's always there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes really strong, like today it was really strong. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling very much in my power lately. Um, like I said earlier, I'm feeling a lot of uh, fear. I'm very fearful of how am I going to pay my bills how am I going to put food on the table how am I am I going to support you know my children in their journeys you know um and then I kind of come around and I go but wait a minute like this person who said I had the body of a warrior and all the stuff that I have been through it's like well okay well wait a minute you know like I pushed four little bodies out of my body you know I drove a school bus for 10 years and that's kind of how I raised my children it you know it's like I ha I know I have the strength in me and I know I have my power within me but sometimes I feel really fucking tired and I feel like I'm tired of fighting all the time and I recently wrote something a little bit about this um one of my partners said to me I don't want to fight with you um 
we were having an argument and I said, well, I don't want to fight with you either, but I want to fight with you, right? And I want someone to fight with me. And what that means is like not, I don't, I don't want to yell and scream at each other, but I want someone to fight with me through this journey, through this life, on this path. And I discovered that the only person who is actually going to fight with me is me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm now fighting with me, right? And there are times where it is actually like a dialogue that I have going on in me. It's like a fight, right? It's like, I'm powerful. Oh, no, you're not. Yes, I am. And then, you know, and then this is like, oh, you know, you're so weak. Yes, I know I am. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's a battle. And um, I'm learning to love it. Mm-hmm. I'm learning to embrace all of those parts of me. And they're all powerful, actually. There isn't a part of me that isn't. It's in my weakness that I'm still powerful. And so I'm learning to use that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about yourself? Do you ever have that like battle or those like, do you fight with yourself? <laughs> I do. I do. It's, it happens less and less. Mm. Um, but yeah, the battle happens. I mean, there's always, I think the battle to, today is more about, am I flowing in my authentic beingness? Mm. You know, or am I flowing in an old story? Mm. an old belief system because good question and am i feeling uncomfortable about something if i'm feeling uncomfortable about something i eat oh i fucking walk to the fridge all the time (laughs) and so i'm like as soon as i know that's happening i'm oh what's going on right it's a trigger for you yeah and Mm -hmm. so what i do is i stop i stop eating and some and some days i'll be like okay i'm not gonna have breakfast today just mm-hmm. to see what will come out. Mm-hmm. Just to see what's going to emerge out of this. Mm. And yeah, something emerges. And and always, mm-hmm. always it's me not talking, not communicating. Not communicating my desires or my wants or whatever it is. Yeah, Like in relationship or with yourself or with just people that you encounter? Pretty much. Yeah, it's generally all over the place. Okay. Yeah, nothing very specific. Mm-hmm. Um and even around shame sometimes, because shame can come up for me because of the um, HSV virus mm-hmm. that I carry. So that, mm-hmm. you know, when that flares up, mm-hmm. I'll have shame. And then then I'll be, because I always want to keep it a secret. Mm. Like it's a big fucking secret because mm. sh- I find it shameful. Yeah, you know, less and less and less the more I talk about it. Absolutely. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird talking about it actually on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're naked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, could, that, could, could that be more confronting? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to be honest. I carry the same virus. Mm-hmm. And at first for me too, it was, uh, I carried the stigma with it also. I, I allowed the stigma. Yeah. And now I I don't. Like I had a partner and I told my partner, you know, this is what's come up. And um, this was something that I tested positive for. And it was so funny because we were alone in the house talking about it. And he started to whisper and he said, well, should, should we talk about, should we talk about that thing? <laughs> and I said, I looked at him, you know, and I got really close to him. And I got my head down. I go, what thing? <laughs> <laughs> it was 
someone might hear us through the walls. Um, <clears throat> so I didn't allow his shame around mm. it become mine anymore. And I think that was the first time that I said, well, wait a minute. You know, the statistics are that more people have this than not. Yeah. And it's actually <clears throat> like in Europe, parts of Europe, where almost everyone has it. Yeah. And it's not, it's, it's like a cold. It is. <laughs> it's, you know, I, I was in a, or I am in a relationship course and the facilitator showed up and she had a cold sore on her lip, mm -hmm. you know, and she stood up and she said, so the relationship course is about, you know, talking about what you fear and all that stuff. And she goes, and I'm really ashamed that I have this cold sore on my lip. She goes, I feel really ashamed. And I put up my hand and I said, you know, I get them on my lips too. Just not these ones. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I follow a couple of uh, Facebook sites that are for like support sites for people. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing what people say to people that come out of the clo come out of the closet. Sounds really weird, but open up about it. Mm -hmm. And some of the partners that are so not understanding and crude, mm -hmm. and. So that can be a fear for people, especially if they're on the, these sites reading that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate because shame is such a harsh, uh, harsh uh, feeling to have. Like that, the mm -hmm. energy of shame is so diminishing in, in one's personal power. Absolutely. Um, shame can kick anybody's ass. Mm-hmm. And the thing with shame, like, it's funny because I was thinking about this this morning when I was driving over here. Um, thinking about herpes shame. or shame? Shame. Okay. <laughs> shame, actually. <laughs> I was not thinking about herpes in particular. <laughs> but I was thinking about shame in particular and how um, someone in my life recently is feeling like he is this bad person and not a good person and a waste of skin and really being extremely hard on himself. Um, but thinking that in his profession, he is amazing. But outside of his profession as a personal person, like dealing with people just on a personal level, um, I'd say almost suicidal to the point where it's like, I just need to drive my vehicle into a brick wall kind of thing. And um, only because some of his actions were not very cool, not very nice and very hurtful to some people. And um, I've been there in those places a long time ago in my life where I thought I'm a horrible person. I'm a horrible mother. I'm a horrible this, that, whatever. And I can go back in some of my journals and read pages where I absolutely shame myself and how that leads people to believe that they are bad people. Not that they just did something that they need to be, uh, they need to look at. Why did I do that? Or what led to that? Or how did it affect these people? And how can I now um, not make it up? But how can I now apologize and, and actually learn from that and that's the difference right 
is that shame allows us to believe that we are really bad people. Mm -hmm. And that's why it kicks our ass. And it can sit there. It can sit and stick to your your tissues for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and cause all sorts of illness, disease, Mm -hmm. and all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unexplained things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it always depends where the shame is located and what chakra level, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and then that's where the, that's where the issues usually start and move around mm-hmm. yeah, the tension. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about my own shame, especially as a person who comes from sexual abuse, and I don't know how this happens. It's it's really like perplexing to me how people who have been sexually abused. From all of the reading that I've done, 100% of victims feel shame around it. And how did that happen? How did that automatically happen in the body to a person who was violated? I don't understand that part of it because here's the thing that I think about as a survivor is the statistics are that 50% of women have been or will suffer some sort of sexual abuse in their lives at some point. That's half. And that sounds very low. It it does. And and they say that it can't be accurate because so many women don't report it. So many women don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. So many people, humans, carry it and don't ever talk about it. And that's where the shame can get into you know, cause dis-ease and cause illness and cause sickness. Um, And my, what I think about is, so, okay, here are all these um, humans carrying this shame from the actions of a different person. Where are all those people who did the act? Like, who is it? Like, when we're standing in the line, you know, at, at a bank, or in the grocery store, think about all of the people who are in a grocery store at any given time, Walmart, Costco, how many of those people were the ones doing the damage? The predators. Yeah. Who are the predators? So, And why aren't they carrying the shame? Like, how did that happen that they don't, that the victim automatically got it? That yeah. That's the question that I well, think about. So I have somewhat of an answer, which I th- mm. might be triggering, but I have an idea of how that happens. Okay. So in unwakened consciousness, we, when we're in that space, the universe wants us to move into a higher state of consciousness, mm-hmm. wants, to, wants to elevate us. It's just a given natural law of, of the universe. So when we're not, we're flowing in one of two kind of paradigms. We're either flowing in victim or we're flowing in predator. Mm. Perpetrator, predator, hero, healer, all those kind of things kind of fall under the same thing. Right. Because they're looking like, so today, I'll give you an example. So say you're feeling victim. Mm. You're just attracting stuff to, Mm. to reinforce your victim mentality. Right. I come and grab your ass. Okay. Boom. You're a victim in that moment. Right. And you know, I'm a perpetrator or whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other type of dramas happen where the victim 
uh, gets into an argument with somebody or um, let's not actually let's not go there the victim attracts say a hero and the hero walks in and all of a sudden starts giving you advice love advice or whatever sex advice could be anything mm -hmm. you haven't asked for right so that takes away your power and that allows you to move into victim mode so all these things are happening to help us move out to bring us awareness of where we are so the people and, and you might say well what happens to the three-year-old that's being victimized mm -hmm. I really think that could be uh, what's the term um, where it's passed down epigenetics mm -hmm. where the victim uh, vibration is passed down through the mother Mm. And then, unfortunately, that child won't be, you know, aware enough to stop something like that from mm. happening. Right. Where it's just in in the the genetics. Mm -hmm. It's in the vibration of that individual. Mm -hmm. So that that young person doesn't know any different. Um, yeah, and it's unfortunate that that starts to happen. But I really believe that 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 is the universe trying to lift us up. Mm. So, mm. I don't know, give me an example. You're you're like, mm, really I'm actually digesting that. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not just thinking about it, but I'm allowing it to sink into my heart and how do I feel about that also? Mm -hmm. Um and I think that's something I probably will take some time with because you know, I I guess because I'm on this end of it because I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. It's, it is the, I'd say it's the part of my life, the thing that happened to me that has caused the most damage in my life, mm -hmm. but has also propelled me the most to desire more. And I think that's what you're saying is, um, <clears throat> so yes, this thing happened to me as a, as a child. Um, someone who was not able to do are, anything. Are you, are you, how comfortable are you with sharing that, that event? Um, like the actual abuse? Yeah, the, the age, your age and the type of abuse that happened. Oh, well, I mean, I'm comfortable enough to say that it started right around when I was about... Okay. Um, for me, unfortunately, it wasn't just like a one-person, one-time thing. Um, I'm going to talk about it, something that I have actually not shared ever mm -hmm. in any public forum whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um not even really with my parents or my family. My children, I may have talked briefly about this, but this, so this is a new open area for me. Okay, if you need any support while you're going through, let me know. I will I'll ask, thank you. Yeah. Um, I was small enough to stand on a chair, leaning against the back of the chair, that I would not fall over backwards. So I was young enough. I could have been maybe three years old. Mm -hmm. um, and my 
grandparents, we would go to my grandparents' house often, and that's what they had in their living area, was they never really had a couch. They actually just had a lot of chairs in a circle so we could all visit. And so I would stand in a chair and I'd have a dress on, um, and my grandfather would say, hey, Michelle, show us your duty. And I would lift up my dress, and everyone would laugh. I mean, I had panties on, as far as I can remember. I had panties on. But it was like this thing where I would show my panties and that everyone would laugh. Hmm. And I was a little girl. So there was no celebration. There was no sacredness. There was no honoring of my yoni, of mm. my body, of my power. Uh, your first experience of your yoni was people laughing at it. People laughing at it. Mm -hmm. Show it to me. Everybody laughs. That's funny. Uh, you know, and it was my grandparents, but my parents were there too. And I don't know if they ever knew that that just was so wrong. Um, because in, in my parents' defense somewhat, they were only 16 and 17 when I was born. So they probably weren't even 20 years old when this was happening, when it first started. Um, so that happened a lot with my grandparents over at my grandparents' house. Um, my parents split up when I was around six or seven, and my mother got together right away and, and married someone else right away who was the main perpetrator of my childhood. And that abuse lasted from right around seven or eight years old until I was 13 when we left. Um, so there was that. And then uh, because of my grandparents, like my dad's, that's my dad's side of the family. My dad is the eldest of three boys, so I have two brothers, uh, sorry, two uncles also from my dad's side of the family who often spoke with sexual connotations towards us, the women in the family, to the point where I will no longer have any interaction with one of my uncles because he made me feel so uncomfortable with his sexual aggression towards me. Um, and having three daughters, I never wanted him around them. Um, and my father also, unfortunately, does not understand that the words he uses still today and the words that he used were not appropriate to me. In fact, my brother brought up an incident where we were at our other brother's wedding, which was only like three, maybe three years ago, um, where my father had said something. I was wearing a dress to the wedding and my father had said something about a mirror on his shoe. And my brother looked at him and said, my God, dad, that's your daughter. What the fuck are you thinking? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And at this point, I actually don't even recall the incident because I had become so numb to not hearing my father talk anymore. Like I just kind of put this wall up around me, around him. Um, 
And that is the relationship I have with him. And, and there were incidents where there was inappropriateness between my own father and I, which I am absolutely not ready to talk about yet, mm-hmm. especially in more of a public forum. Mm-hmm. So, and that would be a huge trigger for me, I think, because I am sitting here with no clothes on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is an area that I won't go into, but I can say that um, there was an inappropriate incident up until the age of 15 and that's when it stopped with the men who were supposed to protect me in my life but then I began abusing myself sexually by becoming very promiscuous Mm -hmm. and I think that's where the love addiction started because I didn't know any other way I figured if the men in my life who were protective figures love figures well the men in your life were predators yes so all of a sudden you started looking for mirroring that you started becoming a predator yeah well and i be and i started looking for predators Mm. i actually engaged with men who treated me like shit Mm. minus my first husband my first husband who is the father of my three daughters is an amazing man i have to say that I have to give him credit for that because he was never a predator. He was never inappropriate. He is actually the complete opposite of all of that. And how I attracted that and had three babies with him, I don't know, but I'm extremely grateful. Um, But it is no wonder that I couldn't keep that relationship. Mm -hmm. I, I had to keep pursuing the only thing that I really did know. Um, and the only thing I can really think of is that it was a divine intervention that I bring these three daughters into the world with a really good man. Mm-hmm. Because in the times where I do have this voice that, that does say I'm not a good person, I look at those children and I think, even if those voices were true, which they're not, those are the three best things I ever did in my life. So So I think that sometimes those voices that say you're a bad person, mm-hmm. yeah, I fucking love to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do love that. Too. <laughs> and I'm learning to be good bad. Yeah. 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 Not like destructive bad to myself or to someone else, but like good bad. You know, once I, th- I believe that once we move into a healthy space, mm-hmm. a real healthy space where we let go of the predatorial parts and we get out of that triangle, we can enjoy being bad mm-hmm. without guilt, without doubt. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just a different space to be in because the bad before was driven from something unhealthy. Mm. You know, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't conscious. Mm-hmm. It was something from a pattern, an old pattern that was repeating and probably hurting other people. Mm-hmm. Where now we can be bad and we communicate. Can I be bad today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it it has also driven me to like not have this good and bad thing going on. It's like, um, yeah just so sick and tired of being a good girl so to speak i want to be a bad girl oh what does that look like Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes it's like playing tricks on my kids or 
um, playing hide and seek with my dog and like hiding in a place I know he won't find me. Yeah, enjoying your juvenile. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes it's, you know, crashing a wedding. <laughs> like, actually. It's <laughs> a good idea. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun. I'm just saying that was probably one of the best things I ever did. <laughs> that was fun. You know, I think jumping, we always talk about surrendering and jumping. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people think surrendering is just, oh, going into this compassionate place, mm-hmm. this place complacent. of... Complacent, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's actually where I kind of thought it was at first, too. I thought it was like, you know, passive place where, yeah, you know, I'm just going to do what people ask me. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, my something inside me started asking me things to do things. <laughs> like talk about my shame and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So I have to surrender to that. That's the big surrender. Mm-hmm. That's the big surrender is listening to our divine voice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. That's a huge... I think surrendering is actually the opposite of complacency. Yeah. Yeah. It's finding that wild side. But... And that's the other thing that I have come to know through my accident is damaging pain and healing pain. I, I feel both. And the damaging pain is when I don't speak my truth. The damaging pain is when I hold it in, mm-hmm. when I don't look at all the parts of myself. And the healing pain is like, yeah, it's, it does hurt to sometimes look at the things that I have done to other people. You know, I had a son. I, you know, I stepped outside of my marriage to my first husband, a good man. And I got pregnant, um, and I had a child. I had a son. Uh, I did give him up for adoption because I wanted him to have a fair shot at life. Um, and I also felt like I didn't deserve to have him because I had done something so terrible. <laughs> at the time, I believed I was the worst person on the planet because of what I'd done. But you All know, those belief systems. I know, right? It's like, I'm not the first, and I'm definitely not going to be the last to do that, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, like being able to look at all of those parts of myself and love them and surrender to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and find the playfulness in all of that too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The radiance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michelle, we're there. Yay. We're at the end of the podcast. Yay. It has been such a pleasure and fun. And, um, yeah, heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely in my heart. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll remember this podcast for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) First naked one. Yeah, okay. Michelle, so if people want to get a hold of you, if they're going through some issues related to sexual... sexual trauma (laughs) yes how could they get a hold of you uh uh, on facebook under ocean star uh o-s-h-e-n star is s-t-a-r-r i know it sounds more like a stripper name but it's not (laughs) 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 don't do that um well okay no not professionally (laughs) you can't lie no you can't lie um I also have a Facebook page that is called Wild Human, all capitals, 
And I also have a meetup group called Calgary Sacred Sexuality Meetup Group. Sweet. Yeah. So Calgary, Alberta. Mm-hmm. A great place to go see Michelle. A great place mm-hmm. to come and see me. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Uh, do you want your cell phone number on here? Um, no. How okay. about let's do a, an email address. Perfect. It is somatic sexpod at gmail.com so s-o-m-a-t-i-c s-e-x-b-o-d at gmail.com perfect thank you awesome. this podcast is expansion cast thank you for listening